You're listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Thursday, January 25th. I'm Lee Zimpel, your news director. And I'm Tyler Weatherwax, your assistant news director. And we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, Tyler goes over CSU's role in the National Western Stock Show and more in campus news. And Fort Collins has seen a handful of car and pedestrian crashes in recent weeks. Learn this and more with Lee in local news. Then you'll get a look into the music industry from what's topping the charts and how AI has made its way into the industry. All of this in life and events news with Tyler and a special guest. Later on in the broadcast, Colorado has been in the national headlines in some controversial and strange ways lately. More on that in National with Lee. And with that, we'll get started with campus news. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax, and this is your Colorado State University campus news. The National Western Stock Show had a collaboration with Colorado State University that offered a unique opportunity for children with special needs. Just west of the showgrounds sits the CSU Spur campus. The Spur program was involved in helping over 70 children get involved with the rodeo and all its fun. The children tried out things like roping and petting some of the animals. Children who participated received trophies for their efforts in helping the rodeo and also received cowboy hats and t-shirts. Contributions for this story come from CBS News. Colorado State University had more to contribute with the National Western Stock Show. CSU helped in getting students from West Grand High School to show students were a part of the 4-H and West Grand Future Farmers of America program. The students got help from the Grand County Colorado State University extension that made their trip possible. Contributions for this story comes from Sky High News. The Food Science and Human Nutrition Department will be seeing some changes coming in the fall semester. According to an article from the Rocky Mountain Collegian, students can expect to see exciting new opportunities in the department. More than 20 new classes will be added with a major overhaul to the Nutrition Science major. The changes will be felt in multiple majors as, and majors such as Health and Exercise and Health and Wellness. The new classes are aimed to help students tailor more specifically to their education. Republican Congressman Ken Buck will be visiting Colorado State University tomorrow. The event is called Coffee with Ken Buck and features him and CSU President Amy Parsons discussing the current standing of democracy in the state of Colorado. This event will be a part of CSU's Year of Democracy, which has already seen events such as the Disagree Better event with Colorado Governor Jared Polis and Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Buck is a part of Colorado's 4th Congressional District, and Buck served as a chair of the Colorado Republican Party. Buck also recently announced that he won't be running for re-election. The event starts tomorrow at 11 a.m. until noon at the University Ballroom in the Lori Student Center. The Year of Democracy will continue this spring semester with plenty more events to come. An article from the Collegian goes over all of the events and their details. Actor and activist Jane Fonda will be visiting on February 2nd at CSU to sit down with CSU President Amy Parsons to go over democracy and related topics. The ACT Human Rights Film Festival will premiere their film Richland on February 1st. Director Irene Lutwick will answer questions after the screening of the film. A panel on whether or not there should be an age restriction for politicians will take place on February 19th to discuss the growing issue of the public's view on the age of politicians. Near the end of February, on the 29th, we'll see CSU's presentation of jazz and the ideal of democracy. The concert will look at the relationship between jazz and civic engagement.
The complete list of events is featured on the Collegians website with more events taking place in March and April. And now for Lee with some local news for you covering the story of arsons in Fort Collins as well as a fatal hit and run. In local news, a series of arsons targeting Fort Collins neighborhoods first began near the end of October last year. Homes, cars, and more in the Timbervine and Dry Creek neighborhoods were targeted until the start of the new year. Now, about 80 days after the first report of fire, locals can count on those fires to be put out for good. Fort Collins police detained and arrested a juvenile male in connection to the fires earlier this month. The suspect, who has not been identified because of his age, is facing two charges of first-degree residence arson, one of which specifically citing that lives were endangered. He's also facing a criminal mischief charge, which, which says the fires caused between $20,000 to $99,000 in property damage. On top of the fires, multiple instances of vandalism were also reported. The arsonist's last target before he was arrested was a shed near a Fort Collins home. According to CBS News, Crystal Crow, who is a local, says she woke one night early January to the sound of pounding on her door. It was her neighbor warning her of the fire in her shed. Crow says she woke her two kids to get out of the house because the shed was filled with flammable materials, including propane tanks. The family was able to leave the home in time before the fire reached her son's bedroom. Crow says by the time they crossed the street, the flames spread within seconds. She says if her neighbors hadn't come over when they did, they would have been trapped. After the Larimer County Sheriff's Office announced the arsonist's arrest, multiple victims, including Crow, have expressed it's still hard to feel at ease. Crow told CBS she's grateful an arrest was made at all, but that she's afraid there's more than one suspect. But police have not indicated that to be the case. The investigation so far seems to point at just the one person behind the arsons. In a statement, Larimer County Sheriff's Lieutenant Donnie Robbins said investigators put in many hours working the arsons cases and thanked Fort Collins officials for teaming up in the arrest of the suspect. Robbins says that even though nobody was physically hurt, the long-term impact wouldn't be overlooked and that officials dedicated to protecting the community. For now, the most recent update is that detectives are continuing their investigation in a handful of related cases and that other charges are still pending. Anyone who has information can reach out to Fort Collins Police. Fort Collins Police are still investigating a fatal hit-and-run that happened late December, and now officials are investigating another two serious crashes that both involve a pedestrian being struck by a vehicle. These incidents both happened last week. Last Thursday, around 8 in the morning, police got a call about an injury crash on Westlake Street. The crash involved a pickup truck and an adult man on a mobility scooter. The release says the man on the scooter was left with serious injuries after the crash. He was taken to a nearby hospital to be treated. So far, the investigation points to the crash happening on the crosswalk between Lake Street and Libby Coy Way. Police believe that the truck did stop at the intersection's stop sign, but as the truck made a left turn onto Lake Street, the man entered the crosswalk and was struck by the vehicle. For now, charges are still in the works for the pickup truck driver, and investigators are still learning about the man's injuries. Then, a separate crash happened the next day on Friday night. Around 10.30 p.m., police responded to a report of a collision between a skateboarder and a car at the intersection of Shields and Elizabeth. 
Like the man in the mobility scooter, the, the skateboarder was sent to an area hospital to be treated for serious injuries. According to a press release from police, based on the severity of injuries to the skateboarder, the Fort Collins Collision Reconstruction and Scene Handling, or crash team, are handling the investigation. Officials say the driver, an adult male, was the only one in the car during the collision and that he was headed south on Shields. The skateboarder was crossing Shields on the crosswalk on a motorized board when he collided with the front end of the car. Investigators say that the car had the right of way. After last month's fatal hit-and-run, which involved a man on an e-scooter and an SUV, police now have three ongoing investigations for auto versus pedestrian collisions. Anyone who has information about any of them are asked to reach out to Fort Collins Police. The drivers of last week's crashes are already known by police, but as of the latest public update to the fatal hit-and-run, officials are still searching for that driver. Investigators from the crash team believe that the car is a dark-colored SUV, possibly a black 2008 or 2010 Nissan Rogue. Officials say the SUV was traveling south on Taft Hill Road at night when it struck the man on an e-scooter in the bicycle lane. The victim was later identified as Kyle DeWall, a 34-year-old local. They believe the SUV was last seen leaving the crash site, continuing that drive north near the cross between Taft Hill and Prospect. Sergeant Mike Average, who oversees the police crash team, says investigators are relying on the community to help identify the SUV and driver. And in a release, he added, quote, Our thoughts go out to those in our community affected by this tragedy. With several serious and fatal collisions involving pedestrians in Fort Collins all happening across a span of four weeks, police are urging both drivers and pedestrians to pay attention on roads and follow traffic laws. Those were your local news updates. Coming up after a quick break, you'll get to hear from the person who runs the soundboard for our show with a special story on AI and music. KCSU is supported by The Armory, supporting live and local music in Fort Collins. Upcoming shows include Steve Poltz on Saturday, February 3rd. Tickets and info at armoryfoco.com. Welcome back to For Life and Events. One four-legged Fort Collins resident is looking to attend a special set of training. Rip is a two-year-old border collie who is training to be an avalanche rescue dog. Rip, who was born the day after Christmas, trains two to three hours a day to join Diamond Peaks Ski Patrol to be their first avalanche rescue dog. At the age of eight months old, he started his training in Aspen, which involves pulling people out of the avalanches and more. Avalanche training, however, is quite expensive, and Rip needs some help with his from ABC Denver 7, which includes more information on how to help Rip. 
If you enjoy the bar scene, but not the headache the next morning that goes along with it, there might be a new bar opening in Colorado that changes that. On the western side of Colorado Springs, two business partners will be opening their new non-alcoholic bar. The duo was inspired after beating alcoholism themselves. The new bar, called Gratitude, will feature coffee, art, and a meeting space. The location for the bar works well in one of the top five states in sales of non-alcoholic beer, wine, and spirit sales. The state accounted for 30% of the market. As non-alcoholic drinks grow in popularity, the bar is looking to help with the growing interest and open their doors in the next few months. Contributions from this story come from the Gazette. Coming up next is Akota Harup with a story on the new development of artificial intelligence music and how it's changing the music scene both positively and negatively. Hi, I'm Akota Harup, KCSU news producer, and I'll be a new voice on the show today. I'll be diving into one of the most controversial topics in the world of art and music as of late. As we all know, the music industry is constantly adapting and trying to introduce new independent artists, making for a more diverse business, but typically these artists are human. With the rise of AI, we have seen AI personalities infiltrating every form of media we have, and it has finally begun to reach the music industry. The public has not been able to form a general consensus, as there are varying opinions across the board. Many people have seen the development of AI art programs like Midjourney and Starry AI, in which there's been a lot of controversy over whether they create original art. Reports have explained they essentially plagiarize art from artists without giving credit where it's due, causing some to be skeptical of newer AI creative programs. Some believe AI is destroying the value of art and music, causing an overflow of media. Several articles states that art and music are a form of human expression and should strictly be the portrayal of human emotions or experiences. With AI entering mainstream media, communities are worried that it is endangering those who have careers in the arts and mocking the work ethic or creativity artists possess to form their craft. Others claim that AI can be very helpful to artists and musicians. There are various, one of the most popular sites, Boomi AI, states that their website allows anyone in any demographic to create music in an easily accessible manner. Boomi has three sign-up options that offer certain features depending on how much you pay per month. Boomi's free plan allows you to create, edit, and release a limited amount of songs, but they cannot be used commercially. On the latter, the pro plan permits access to all tools, more releases per month, and commercial usage. The AI uses algorithms to create tracks based on your input and can give you multiple options to work with. Additional tracks which help you to somewhat collaborate with the program. Recently, we have seen AI music programs being incorporated into mainstream music, such as the single Now and Then by The Beatles. The group was able to use a program developed by Wingnut Films Company that helped to isolate vocals on one of John Lennon's past demos. After working on the project for over 20 years, they were finally able to reach success. This, however, differs from new AI music companies such as Boomi, as The Beatles did not use AI to create tracks but to improve audio quality. Another popular artist, Grimes, has stated in an interview with Lex Friedman that she is pro-AI and is completely comfortable with the idea of creating art with the help of AI. She also allows the public to create AI-generated songs that use her voice for 50% of royalties. Apart from music, she believes that AI can solve other large-scale issues such as climate change. There are many who share her views and believe that we are adapting and growing with technology, causing us to become a new species of human which she deems homo techno. Evidently, there are numerous opinions on the presence of AI in art in general society. It certainly seems inevitable that AI will become or has become part of our everyday life, 
but it is up to the public on how we utilize it or how much power we allow for society. Just as there were varying opinions on new technological innovations such as the iPhone, VR, and facial recognition technology, AI will be another addition to the list, a topic where only time will tell the outcome. Artificial intelligence is certainly leaving its mark on the music industry. Thank you, Akota, for that story. Now for a look at current trends. The New York Times bestsellers fiction list currently includes Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros at number one, Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros at number two, The Fury by Alex Michaelandis at number three, First Lie Wins by Ashley Elson at number four, and The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. Nonfiction includes Killers of the Flower Moon at the number one spot by David Grant, The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown at number two, Oath and Honor by Liz Cheney at number three, The Wager by David Grant for the fourth spot, and The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk at number five. Top songs on Billboard's Hot 100 list is Yes And by Ariana Grande. The number two spot belongs to Loving On Me by Jack Harlow. Number three is Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. Greedy by Tate McRae takes number four. Number five is Red Rum by 21 Savage. The sixth spot is I Remember Everything by Zach Bryan. Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat takes the seventh spot. Billboard's eighth song is Lose Control by Teddy Swims. Snooze by SZA holds the ninth spot, and the tenth spot in Billboard's Top 100 is Nee Na by 21 Savage. If you want to catch some live music, you can catch Champagne Drip at the Aggie Theater starting at 8 p.m., featuring exciting electric music. If you can't wait until the weekend to try out your new dance moves, you can catch Giddy Up, a country dance party, which is tonight at the Aggie Theater, starting at 9 p.m., featuring country music hits to tap your boots to. After the break is Lee with National News, covering how Colorado has been making national news in strange ways. This is Rip Phantom from the Olneys. For a spooktacular time, I listened to KCSU 90.5 FM. And we are back from the break. Here's some of the controversial and strange ways Colorado has been making national headlines recently. A Colorado pastor is fighting fraud allegations after selling $3.2 million of worthless cryptocurrency and pocketing nearly half of that money from his followers. According to a statement from the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, civil fraud charges were filed against the pastor and his wife last week in Denver District Court. Eli and Caitlin Regalado of Denver are accused of targeting members of the Colorado Christian community by saying they were sent prayers and cues from God to launch a crypto venture. 
In a YouTube video last April, Regalado said he was going to start selling INDX coin, a cryptocurrency token he and his wife launched themselves. The couple sold it to members of his online church, Victorious Grace Church, and to other Christian communities in Denver. They sold it through an online crypto marketplace that Regalado created, controlled, and operated. According to Colorado Securities Commissioner Tung Chan, the Regalados raised over $3.2 million from over 300 investors. Chan was the one who filed the fraud charges last week. State regulators now say that INDX coin is essentially worthless, and instead of fulfilling a promise to investors, the Regalados used almost half of that money on many luxury items. That includes a car, cosmetic dental work, and a handful of vacations. On Friday, a couple days after the fraud charges were filed, the pastor released a video confirming that he and his wife pocketed $1.3 million and that a few hundred of it went towards a home remodel that, quote, the Lord told us to do. In that same statement, he said he and his wife were told by God to trust him to provide the funds and multiply investors' money. Regalado says now he's waiting on a miracle from God to help him repay investors. A court hearing is scheduled for Monday. After the Colorado Supreme Court moved to ban Donald Trump from the state's 2024 ballot last month, officials from 25 states shared disapproval over the decision. The disapproval took shape as signatures on a document asking to reverse the ban, which will be sent to the U.S. Supreme Court when they decide on the issue. The disapproval brief argues that Colorado's choice is a blow to the Constitution and that only Congress can disqualify someone from holding office. And context from the Civil War could secure Trump's ability to return to the Colorado ballot. Trump was banned from the ballot off of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which bars someone from holding office if they've engaged in insurrection after taking an oath to support the Constitution. But CSU history professor Doug Shefflin says historical context behind the cited clause could be a key factor in the decision to reverse the ban. After the Civil War ended in 1865, the U.S. entered a Reconstruction period. Shefflin says that time period sparked one of history's biggest debates where people were weighing just how insurrectionists should be punished. According to Shefflin, some called for revenge on the South, but others, including former President Abraham Lincoln, were more welcoming in their return. When looking at the Civil War Clause today, Shefflin says we have to define what an, insurrection, what an insurrectionist is and what kind of role the government plays in the debate. One major concern he highlights is the creation of the KKK, which he says started because they weren't allowed to participate in Congress. He said, quote, it created this division, and I think that's something that needs to be taken into consideration. Shefflin says he can't predict how violence might interact with today's case and that today the term insurrectionist is a lot harder to define compared to back then. So far, the U.S. Supreme Court has not made a decision on Colorado's ban, but with Trump looking to be the surefire Republican candidate in the 2024 presidential race, the stakes seem high across both political parties. Lastly, a YouTuber is wanted on multiple charges for speeding from Colorado Springs to Denver in about 20 minutes instead of the usual hour-long trip. 32-year-old Rendon Dietzman is originally from Texas. He posted a video of himself 150 miles an hour on his motorcycle on I-25. According to a release from Colorado State Patrol this week, it shows Dietzman squeezing through, gra- squeezing through gaps in traffic and traveling on the shoulder. The video has since been deleted from YouTube, but the state patrol shared a clip in the news release. 
Dietzman is now wanted on multiple charges, including reckless endangerment and reckless driving. The YouTuber has posted several other videos, all showing that a wrap-up national news for now. Contributions to these stories all come from the Associated Press, the Coloradoan, and CBS. Up next, you'll get a rundown in CSU Sports with Caleb Allen right after the break. KCSU does more than just music, podcasts, sports, and news. As a part of our mission statement here at KCSU to collaboratively train students to operate a radio station, KCSU gives students the opportunity to gain experience in broadcast engineering where they can manage broadcast equipment, software, and handle on-air issues for the station. Hi, I'm Caleb Allen, Sports Director here at KCSU. Here's what's going on this week in sports. CSU men's basketball had their two-game winning streak snapped last night with a 77-64 defeat against Nevada in Reno. Coming off an electric sellout in Moby on Friday night, the Rams struggled to find their rhythm on the road. Jalen Lake led the way for the Rams with 13 points while Isaiah Stevens tallied 10 assists in the loss. The Rams are now 0-3 on the road in the Mountain West and have not won a road game since December 22nd. They now turn their attention to the first meeting with Wyoming on the season on Saturday in Laramie. Tip-off scheduled for 2 p.m. CSU women's basketball lost their second straight game on Tuesday afternoon against Nevada 78-51. McKenna Hofschild led the way for the Rams with 24 points in her 28 minutes of play. As a team, CSU shot just 33.9% from the field, including 17.6% from behind the arc, all the while allowing the Wolfpack to shoot nearly 40% from three in the blowout loss. The Rams return home on Saturday for a matchup with San Jose State, tip-off scheduled for 1 p.m. CSU Swim and Dive is coming off a dominant showing in Golden where they defeated School of Mines 182-78 in their duel last Saturday. The Rams won all but three of the day's events. Aaron Dawson won the 200 butterfly while Lucy Matheson dominated the 200 free. Sydney Van Omerian, Megan Hager, and Maya White all posted wins in their respective events as well. The team is back in the pool on Saturday for their final home event of the year against Northern Colorado. The team will host its annual Senior Day celebration. The meet begins at 11 a.m. CSU Track and Field finished their meet in Nebraska at the Mark Colligan invite last weekend with plenty of podium finishers. Michael Hawkins moved into the top 10 in program history after throwing a distance of 19.66 meters in the women's weight throw. Maya Lesnar won the women's shot put with a mark of 18.15 meters. Lesnar continues to lead the nation with her record-setting throw earlier this season. Ryan Berkmeyer set a PR for the men's mile, completing his run in just over four minutes. The team now heads to Golden to take on the Colorado School of Mines in the Mines Winter Classic in Multi on Saturday. CSU Tennis opened their dual season with a 1-1 opening weekend record. After winning their season opening duel against North Dakota last Saturday, they traveled to Denver to take on the Pioneers. While no Rams who played their matches to completion won in Denver, the Rams won five of the six singles matches on Saturday after dropping the doubles point to begin the duel with North Dakota. Freshman Logan Vakes registered her first career win in her first collegiate match. The Rams return home to face off with Abilene Christian tomorrow at 4 p.m. at Fort Collins Country Club. If you want more CSU sports content, you can tune in to Ramblers tonight from 7 to 9 p.m. We cover all things CSU athletics and more right here on 90.5 KCSU. I'm Caleb Allen, and this is what's going on this week in sports. 
We're nearing the end of the week with some colder temperatures and maybe even some snow, but this weekend should still be strangely warm. Tonight we could see a slight chance of rain and snow, especially after 4 in the morning. Before that, it should stay mostly cloudy but clear. Wind should pick up a bit after midnight as temperatures cool to a low of 29 degrees. Friday, that chance for snow and rain will carry over into the morning. We could see a mix of both after 11 a.m., then gradually the chance will fizzle out over the day. It'll be mostly cloudy and we'll see a high of 44. Winds could pick up a little strong during the day, so we shouldn't expect to see the snow stick much, if at all. And Friday night, we'll see a low of 21 and partly cloudy skies. The wind should calm down after midnight. As we move into the weekend, it'll start to warm up quite a bit. Definitely could see a big contrast. Saturday could have temperatures reach as high as 50 degrees. The breeze should be fairly calm. Saturday night, we'll see clear skies and a low of 25. Or it'll be sunny and we'll see a high of 56. Sunday night, it'll cool off to a low of 28 with mostly clear skies. That was your weekend weather forecast. Information comes from the National Weather Service, and I hope you can stay warm if it snows, and I hope you can enjoy the random warmth this weekend. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music. We'd also like to thank the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.